0: This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit
1: VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns,
2: opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling.
0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of WrestleNomics Radio. I'm Brandon Thurston, broadcasting On Demand from Buffalo, New York, where today is Sunday, August the 1st, 2021. It's August the 1st, 2021, and today in Buffalo, New York, it is... Oh, in, in the high 60s, slightly blue, below room temperature. And today on the program, we will talk about competition. Who is? What is? Is anything? Is everything WWE's competition? We will talk about the the recent release of a certain WWE superstar. The United States and re- really everyone against Vince McMahon, the underdog, the hero of American libertarianism. The Gullah Report will go through uh, TV viewership. We'll talk about t- Domino's Pizza. We'll talk about ratings, quarter hours. We'll talk about CM Punk, the United Center, Chicago, Fox, Peacock, Nikon, the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia. I've got PWG here on this lineup and more. But first, joining us from my south by southeast. Everyone's favorite ring announcer, Chris Gullo. Uh we we saw each other in person yesterday, Chris Gullo.
1: Yeah, it was in person. It was crazy. And there was a there was a lot of people at the show. Yes, we did a. Uh, why are you frozen? It's probably my fault. There we go. Anyway,
0: why why were we in person?
1: Well, uh, ESW had Brawlfest at Riverworks, and uh, it was a great crowd, and not just numbers wise, but the crowd was awesome all night long. You Victoria. were uh, you were victorious. Big draw. I uh,
0: This first match I had since March 7th or something, 2020. 2020 I, I, I've i re-listened because I'm, I'm self-obsessed in vain. I've re-listened to my appearance on post-wrestling with the world-famous and excellent journalist, John Pollock. And I'm saying 2021 when I mean 2020. I'm all over the place with certain uh, misspeaking of exact details. But uh, it's been like 16 months since I had a match. I wrestled Nick Ando. I, I'm, I'm currently, for those who may be watching this on video, I'm not sure how we're going to release this on video. I've, I've got some, since this is a, an all plant-based podcast, I've got a, a bag of cut green beans on top of my head, not because I'm injured or I have a head injury that I know of, uh, just because, especially on these days where after I've wrestled, I've done, I've done something very difficult physically. I think my, my body is working really hard to recover, uh, from, from, the strenuous activities that I've put my body through. And there's a lot of heat going on, a lot of combustion happening here, just like any energy intense process. I think that's what's happening. So I'm wearing these headphones, which are going to keep my ears really warm. And I figure it's best that I, that I ice myself. I didn't even plant, you know, I'm wearing headphones right now, as people might be able to see on video and the headphone strap on that goes over the top of your head, like a headband is, is really just, it's, it, it didn't even occur to me until I picked up the headphones. Oh, I could just like bind this to my cranium with the headphones. So it's, it's really efficient. Um, I wrestled in the opening match, uh, and I was getting, I was pacing around my opponent, Nick Ando had already made his entrance crowd sound sounded pretty hot. Hadn't wrestled in over a year. And I'm pacing around in the back at Riverworks, in Buffalo downtown. You can see the, the big Seneca ta- Seneca one tower off in the distance, overlooking us, um, grain elevators everywhere. Uh, and I'm, I'm getting a little bit emotional, getting a little bit, oh, oh. Yes, we're gonna mm-hmm. do it. And my music plays and um I think it really had something to do with the way that you introduced me, Gullah. I have to I have to say it, it it's all about you here. The crowd actually oh, my really, fault. the crowd <laughs> did not I, I would say it was, you know, sixty forty, not in my favor. They were they were not really happy to see me. They were, I was really emotional and enthused about having my first wrestling match, but then this audience um they really spoiled it for me. and But I think it had something to do with how you introduced me.
1: I don't think it has anything to do. I think I gave you a very fit uh, introduction. Uh, I think I was like, yeah, hey, it's Brandon Thurston. You know, it wasn't like, oh, it's Brandon Thurston.
0: <laughs> I, I think they were expecting me to be introduced as, as the world's foremost uh, independent expert on professional wrestling business. And they were disappointed. It's it's sort of like if you go to the United Center and you tease you're gonna bring CM Punk there and then you don't. I think that's it's it's a similar effect. Mm. So we have well, a little uh, test run of, of what, what might happen if AEW does not bring CM Punk to the United Center on August twentieth.
1: You need uh you need the big WrestleNomics logo on your gear. That's what you need. Did you know you know I have I,
0: I did not wear it yesterday, but I have the the uh, the other trunks that I have. Do you have the WrestleNomics logo on? I feel like I have seen that before, yeah. I've only worn them a couple times because I got I got that set of gear done just before pandemic times.
1: All right, so you want to get into this?
0: Sure. Uh, what would you say the draw was last night? Anything else we should we should say about last night?
1: Um, I actually didn't get a number. Uh, I Over know pre-sale. I yeah, pre-sale was four forty, and that's you know before walk-up, and uh, so the advance, as they say in the business, I'd say about five fifty-six hundred, if I could guess it. This is a building where NXT
0: is run. Ring of Honor is run. Um, yeah, the Every Time I Die Christmas shows, which do involve wrestling, uh, have, have run. Um, Brett Mednick, Brett Stymus, should we use his shoot name? Yeah. Now an official Buffalo wrestling promoter. He has run his first, after all these years, more than 10 years as a wrestling promoter. It's, it's him and Pedro Martinez really duking it out in history for the best re- Buffalo wrestling promoter now. And now he is actually a Buffalo wrestling promoter, having run a show actually in the city limits. But
1: anyway. Um, I got to make a correction. The pre sale was four forty one, not four forty. I know if I don't say that number specifically, Jonathan, Ash, the listener, will call me out on it. <laughs> there we go. Hey, correction. So, yeah,
0: we have some slides here to go through. So, you yeah. may begin. You have this pulled up on your phone. Are you are you able to see this? Um,
1: I'm able to actually see it in very well detail on my uh, computer. So, uh, I have it here. Uh, you want to get right into the Bray Wyatt release? Well, the first slide is this one. Can you see this one? Okay. Well, you can't see what I'm doing. No.
0: So go through it in order. There's a big Russell Alex
1: logo. And then what's the first slide. after? Big And the AEW dynamite. And uh, you also see a Netflix logo and an NFL logo and sleep and Disney. But I felt like that was just something you put in there.
0: Yes. These are just visual guides to prompt a conversation that will begin as who is WWE's competition. Who would you say is WWE's competition, Chris Colo? And what does the word competition even mean? By the uh, way, so in, and I we talked a little bit about this already. We should plug. We 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 know that there is a, a WWE Q2 uh, earnings report. We will touch on that somewhat here. And I've got some new details to add since actually reading the 10Q. But we've gone into that in a great deal of depth on the Patreon and a, and a podcast that is on the, the Patreon uh, audio feed at patreon.com slash Russellnomics. As well as you can read my... Um, my tweet thread that is still pinned to the top of my, my Twitter account at Brandon Thurston. If you just want to read through it and it's on com to basically a webpage version
1: of the same report. Anyway, I would, I mean, they wouldn't agree, but I would say their biggest thing of competition. I mean, okay. I see it in two ways. AEW, in my opinion, would be because this is a still a pro wrestling based company. I know they're sports entertainment, but wrestling fans of the demographic, and you're competing for the same type of live TV rights deal. But I'm sure the way WWE would see it would be, they're competing with live TV rights deal with other live sporting events. So, I mean, and you could look at it both ways. Like, they could see the NFL's competition because, you know, they're getting a bigger piece of the pie f- for, uh, for broadcasting rights.
0: Yeah. So, I, I think... Um... If you are going to say that AEW is not WWE's competition, well, then it, may, it kind of goes both ways. Then, then WWE is not AEW's competition, even though WWE is a much bigger company. I mean, uh, uh, what's AEW's competition? Well, it's, it's it's NBA, it's it's the Olympics. You can you can say the same yeah. sort of thing for just about every wrestling company, or just about every every level of wrestling company, or any other form of entertainment by by talking about general entertainment. But who's WWE's
1: most direct competitor? I mean, I would feel that would be AEW if they live in the same space. Once again, we won't say it, but they do. So,
0: I don't know. Maybe maybe we, we come to a point where where their popularity is getting really close. And I guess it's it just in W's interests to dismiss AEW as, as competitions. Because if they did, it, it would, for example, if they did acknowledge it more directly and, and be more willing to talk about AEW on, say, the earnings call that we had on Thursday – it starts to put more attention on AEW, and I guess it's just not in their interest to sort of elevate them or put them over in that way. So... If you act like something
1: doesn't exist, you know...
0: On one hand, that that makes sense, and on the other hand, if you give it 15 seconds of thought, like I just did, it's a reason not to to take their words very seriously or to believe that they're really being honest.
1: Yeah, I... uh, Like I said, I think... I mean, I to your point, yeah. They're they're trying to go with perception is reality. So if they don't acknowledge AEW and you know they don't perceive themselves, yeah, we're in competition with AEW. It's not going to really happen. Like TV companies and advertisements and all that won't be like, oh well, that company does wrestling, but WWE is the best. That's what they think they're hoping with the perception is reality. All right. So uh, moving on, um, you know. So, yeah, I mean, WWE, you know, says they don't see AW's competition, so they might be allowing more talent out there for them to acquire. As surprising news yesterday on Saturday, the WWE released Bray Wyatt. Uh, and uh, we got some things here. I'll start uh, with what we got from, uh, from Fightful, from Sean Rossap. Uh Fightful was told that Johnny East made the call. And also sent a notification out to shocked WWE talent moments before the news broke online that Wyatt had been released. Uh, the message that WWE talent received from talent relations also indicated that it was a budget cut. Uh, the notion of a budget cut immediately surprised those within WWE, as Wyatt's known for being a great merch seller. Uh, whenever he's usually at whenever he's actually active, sorry. Uh, one source indicated that Wyatt was a money maker for the company. When that's the case, um, and I don't know if you want me to get the Mike Johnson stuff yet or take a pause.
0: Yeah, go ahead. Read, read read the PW Insider. All right.
1: Yeah, so this is from Mike Johnson, PW Insider. Uh, one source pointed the uh, finger squarely at WWE President Nick Khan and CFO Christina Salen, stating that they are so obsessed with the company not being in one iota in the red on the financial ledgers that even after the most recent financial quarter, uh, there had been a push to cut costs where the previous regimes, there would have been more leniency. Uh, Others noted that Wyatt and Vince McMahon's relationship behind the scenes ran very hot and cold at times, and that McMahon has given Khan the ability to run things far more than anyone else has historically been able to accomplish, so there was likely less of a pushback over the idea of cutting a big-money contract from the ledger. Another source pointed out that Wyatt's 90 days would run out the week before AEW's full gear, and how Vince McMahon may have been very... Prophetic about handle handing AEW other assets during yesterday's media call.
0: Yeah, that's, it's something that we did not touch on on Thursday night. Uh, that and it wasn't I guess it wasn't totally clear to me but exactly what the words were that he was saying at the very end of his his statement there uh, when he was being asked uh, by Brandon Ross on the, on the Q and A about uh, about AEW where, where Vince says I'm paraphrasing, but I think I'm pretty close here. That uh, I don't know what their investments are in, in terms of talent, but perhaps we can give them some more or something like that. Um I feel like we, I missed that. Like I said, <laughs> like, it, it, it wasn't super clear to me at the time at least what he was saying. Yeah. So we d- we didn't really discuss it. And it we're we're kind of digging deep in, into reading into the 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 bits and pieces that Vince actually gives us into what he actually thinks. So it's it's a it's a bit of uh trying to blow up something that maybe doesn't mean that much, but um maybe he knew. I guess is, is the, is the, the natural thought. Maybe he knew that they were going to release Bray Wyatt, uh, in two days. Maybe, I don't know. Um, I think it would be a mistake for AEW to pick up Bray Wyatt. I think there's the, the, the AEW audience and the AEW potential audience, I think generally did not like this gimmick. Um, I, I don't know. There's probably more for Bray Wyatt to do in wrestling if he wants to do it, but, uh, I think it would be a mistake to, to, to bring him in.
1: Um, but I think that same fan base beloved the cult leader gimmick the new I, fan base, the, the, the AW fan base. I think there was a fan base that loved the cult gimmick that he did, like that. He was the cult leader, the, you know, with the, the Wyatt Wayland family. Mar- the only, the
0: old whale. Yes. Yeah. Gimmick.
1: yeah. Yeah. I, f- I mean, that could be far off, but I feel like that was accepted in that community. Yeah. But
0: I, th- I think the, the Bray Wyatt brand has been enhanced with some very pro WWE fans and, Graded with some WWE skeptical fans, let's say, uh, with this Fiend, ever since the Fiend gimmick, or at least since the Fiend Hell in the Cell stuff. Yeah, match.
1: Uh, I I uh, see this as the same for Strowman. Uh, they looked at that downside guarantee and was it worth yes, it? And right. they just they cut costs. And that's yeah, it, you know this is a kind of move.
0: I I think that's. I'm skeptical of this this idea that yeah. it's Nick Khan that's doing it. I and and he, and uh, this, why I wanted to to uh, ma- It just makes
1: sense with cutting Goss.
0: Why I wanted sort of why I wanted to have you read these uh the these notes from PW Insider one source pointing the finger squarely at at Nick Khan and Christina Salen. Um who you know let's maybe that's these are people who I mean it sounds like these are people who work in WB maybe talent. Um and then I think they believe that, you know. I think and, and, the, and the same goes for what they're being told as far as budget cuts. Um, I guess it, it's it's this is probably the case. Just like you said, is with with Braun Strowman, these are these is, this is a case of somebody who's probably got a, a, a good deal. They're probably highly paid, maybe seven figures for each of these guys, or at least very high, six figures, I would think. Um, and I th- and I think with the the change in leadership, yeah, I do think there's a there's more of a, a scrutiny of well, we're paying this talent, this much money, but what are we really getting out of them? I, I, I have a tendency to believe these, these stories about how maybe Vincent and Bray Wyatt were, were getting along well at times and other times maybe had conflicts as far as the, their creative went. Um, I, I, I think that's, what's happening. Is it, uh, I, I think talent probably doesn't have a really clear idea or doesn't have a very trustful idea of what, it, to what extent Nikon and Christina Salen's leadership has changed their environment. I don't think it's clear. And I think they, they probably believe that that has something to do with it, but ultimately um, they don't make decisions utterly independently. There's a CEO. There's a chairman of the board. There's a class B shareholder. There's head of creative who is all one person, by the way, um, who could do whatever he wants with this company. Um, That said it's, it is as, as we talked about on Thursday, W is, is very profitable, and I think they're going to have their most profitable year ever this year, breaking the record of last year. Uh, they're going to be increasingly profitable, at least for the duration of their current U.S. TV deals through twenty twenty four. So, when when one says budget cuts, one envisions out of context, "Oh, we got to cut the budget because we're not profitable." That's certainly not what's happening with W. I think that is a story that that they are telling them, that they're telling talent, and they're telling Bray why we have to to make budget cuts. That's in in, the, in their investors' interests. Just to have, just make, make this company as profitable as possible. And I think they're just trying to lean the company out and say, this: we're paying too much and not getting enough on, on our return here with, with Bray Wyatt and with Braun Strowman. I think that's what's happening. And uh, and, and, and when you mix in maybe personal slash creative conflicts that he may have been having with Vince, that, that makes the, the decision um, less difficult to make. Um, so, yeah, I think that's what's happening. This is obviously not a company that needs to cut the budget to, to make a profit, no. but that wants to be even more profitable in the interest of their
1: investors. I mean, I'm par- I mean, part of it, you know, could be he just wanted out, brought it up to them. They looked that. at it. I doubt that. You don't think so? No.
0: Why would he want to leave this company? He he probably wants to. This is speculative. He probably he probably wants certain creative ideas to be executed yeah. that are being executed and to be executed in ways that he he thinks would be smarter. Rather than the ways that they were or, or are going to be, but why would he want out? What does he want to do? Go to AEW? I don't. I don't believe this idea. that He's going to go to AEW, and I, I think it would be a bad idea. And I don't think it's an idea that AEW slash Tony Khan is going to make.
1: There's so much talent out there for another billionaire to start wrestling promotion. Yeah, I, th-
0: I think Voice of Wrestling Flash I've sort of touched on that. Maybe Mark Cuban will start a company. Um, I.
1: <laughs> well, um, while, while we're on this, you you know you know maybe coming back now that it's official that he's been released, but I've suspected this for months. Jeff Jarrett and global force wrestling. That's right. That's right. I, I, they updated their profile picture and all their social media a little bit ago. And, uh, and Hey, you know, we can maybe possibly talk about global force gold on uh wrestle. Could
0: good. Um, thing is, I think it's, it's, Michael Landsberg, uh, is, is leaving TSN who did all the off the record interviews in the, you know, the early two thousands and late nineties with, with figures like Vince McMahon and Bret Hart and so forth. Yep. Um, and the, the, I, I retweeted this old clip that I, that I tweeted like a year ago of him interviewing Vince and him saying, you know, it's, it's 2004 and, uh, Ted Turner's thinking about getting back in the business and he's, he's like, the, the, the startup costs are just extraordinary. I doubt it. Um, and I think that's still true and it's not just the startup costs. That's one thing. That's a huge barrier to entry a moat, if you will. And I think it's wrestling intelligence. Um, that's really hard to find To You can have a lot of money like the Carter family did, but I don't think that leadership had wrestling intelligence. And they had a lot of people who wanted to kind of work with them, but, but in, in exchange for working with them, I'm thinking Toby Keith and Billy Corrigan who wanted to work with them, but probably rightfully so didn't want to, to allow Dixie to have as much control as she had at, at that time. Um, wrestling, for whatever reason, well beyond just this, the example of TNA, but TNA has has been the most prominent example from the year of 2002 to about 2015 or so. Um, it it, it's, it it just lends itself to, for some reason, it lends itself to poor leadership. I think, um, and the example of WWE creatively, I think, gives people this this terrible example about what wrestling, how wrestling should be, and it, it inspires tons of overly creative creative and, and tons of overbooked TV. That's, that's all streaming out of, I don't mean video streaming. That's all streaming out of, uh, the Monday night wars where these two companies became very competitive head to head and unloaded all their ammo on each other. And then we're still unloading ammo on, on, on our viewers, even though, uh, there's no more head to head competition in that way. Well, there certainly wasn't from 2002 to 2015. And that's nonetheless how, the, how, how TV was booked with star versus star, and uh, an increasing number of of prime time core hours for viewers to try to watch, and you sort of uh, when we were growing up in the '90s, you had one hour, maybe another syndicated hour of, of TV, maybe another hour once Raw got there in prime time before it was the Monday Night Wars, where things just got to move more slowly. And now, you know, you're you're going through what what would be a years of year of storylines in yeah. a few months because there's just that that cycle moves so much faster because there's so many more hours of core content to produce.
1: Yeah. You just can't put two hours of mostly squash matches on your primetime television show. And you could do that at least in the half, first half of the nineties. Do you think
0: you can do exactly that, but do you think you could do something kind of like that today?
1: I think it could be uh, maybe 15 to 20% of the show. If you had two to three matches, like, hey, here's these new people that we're trying to feature, and they just, you know, squash an enhancement talent, and like, you, yeah, you can't do it on every show. Like a raw episode wasn't like '94, but but just like the main event being two stars. But I feel like you could put it in maybe two to three segments. So
0: here's the thing: where I think there's an, an opportunity for for a third company. Basically, what what I think is happening is there's there's a mainstream brand of re- a mainstream style of wrestling. Uh, that would attract the widest audience. And I think that's what AEW is doing. God, I, I know people are screaming at me now as, as those words come out of my mouth because AEW is this minute name ID brand compared to WWE. But I think what WWE is doing creatively uh, is is a niche creative product. It's a niche creative execution. Uh, it, it would appeal to a smaller niche audience, if not for the fact that they won, won the Monday Night Wars, they, they, they beat WCW, WCW through its own incompetence, went out of business. And WB by, its, by itself sort of lived on, on on the top of the mountain for twenty years, um, and accumulated all of this name ID and credibility with with fans throughout that time. All the while, somewhat diminishing, or maybe maybe just keeping stable its audience rather than really growing it. Uh, it with the exception of maybe a couple of years there in two thousand four and or two thousand six, I think there's some evidence yeah. the, sort of the Batista area eras in the beginning of the Cena era. Um, but what I think they're doing is this sort of highly entertaining sort of DDT. I'm talking about DDT Japan promotion style wrestling, or maybe even dragon gates, even though those companies are probably more smart, smartly booked and more consistently booked and with more discipline than WWE is. Um, and meanwhile, I think a more sports, like more serious take having the audacity to, to take itself a little bit seriously. I think that's what, what AEW is doing. And, uh, a W sort of a company that shouldn't exist if not for the incompetence of, of W's creative, uh, exists and is producing that something that is a, a more mainstream, more widely appealing type product. And, and therefore AEW and stardom are the only brands in the world of professional wrestling that have any upward momentum at this moment. Um, so what I think there's an opportunity for is to do some sort of other niche type product. I, I'm, I guess I'm just liking this, likening this to Japan where new Japan is this mainstream sports like product. They're the leaders in that market. Um, and then below that, you've got dragon gate, which does something very different, both from an in-ring style point of view and both from a, a, their, their storylines, if you will, point of view. Um, they do more of a kind of W style or more of an entertainment style. Mm-hmm. And then dET. I, I I hesitate to, to talk about this because I'm not like this DDT viewer and I'm going to th- yeah. be talk, talking on my ass here and there's a lot of people who watch this stuff and know a lot more about it than I do but but DDT probably going even more off the deep, deep end in terms of comedy and outrageous mm. entertainment style wrestling I think there's a, a, a niche opportunity to do something that is stylistically different from I think more like a like Lucha Underground I guess was kind of that yeah um, yeah, I feel like MLW
1: last. wants to be, but they because they take a lot of influence from which Underground. But I think it'd be a long time for we see MLW really kind of making a difference. But they are, I feel like they're trying to be the most different mm-hmm. if you talk about like them and Impact and, and Ring of Honor and NWA. Okay, moving on. All right, so uh, moving on here. Uh, duty and Bloomhouse partner to develop the United States of America. Versus Vince McMahon. And uh, th- this was the press release uh, from July uh, 26. Um, so WWE and Bloomhouse Television are partnering to develop a limited scripted series called The United States of America versus Vince McMahon. Jason Bloom's company, Bloomhouse, uh, will develop the series for television led by Bloomhouse TV president Chris McCumber. The series, The United States of America versus Vince McMahon, will be the first ever scripted dramatic portrayal of a chapter in WWE's history. Additionally, it's also the first scripted portrayal of, of McMahon, as well as many of the legendary superstars of that era. The show will uh, delve into the WWE during the 1990s, at the time Rupert Murdoch has purchased the New York Post, to further his massive infiltration into the U.S. media landscape. For years, infamous post-writer Phil Mushnick uh, regularly hammered WWE Chairman and CEO Vincent Man's in his column. Headlines like, Legislators give W a a free pass on roids and McMahon skips through the cemetery, uh, eventually captured the attention of the FBI and the U.S. Attorney's Office for the Southern District of New York, the nation's most prestigious federal prosecutor's office, with a conviction rate of over 96%. In 1994, the U.S. government indicted McMahon for allegedly supplying anabolic steroids to WWE. Talent McMahon, uh, with his liberty at stake, two school-aged children at home, and with the WWE on the brink of bankruptcy, refused to take a plea deal. Ultimately, McMahon stood trial and was acquitted unanimously by a jury of his peers and went on to build a multi-billion dollar global sports entertainment empire. Yes. I don't know if we we'll read any more of that stuff. But I mean, Re- it does say Mac- Re- McMahon. Read that very last line. At the bottom. Yes, McMahon, Dunn, Blum, McCumber, and Jeremy Gold will serve as executive producers on this project. Yes, so Vince Vincent Kevin
0: Dunn will have control. Um, so a few things here. Uh, the the veracity of this press release was examined by one David Bixens fan. Fine, he <laughs> found he found. You can find it, I think it's on his substack, but uh, you can find things like, uh, what, what jumped out to me right away is that Vince's school-aged children in 1994 were 18 and 24. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, Shane at that time had already been a referee for a while, right, mm-hmm. uh, in the early 90s. Uh, the, uh, so Rupert Murdoch, at the time that Phil Mushnick was writing at least some of his columns, Rupert Murdoch did not even own the New York Post yet. Um, more on that in a moment. Rupert Murdoch, uh, a few other things. here. It was Chris McCumber, the Bloomhouse TV president, was president of the USA Network uh, at, at, until about a year ago, I think. So this is someone who has dealt with Vince and WB for a long time before this. So you can see the social connection there. Um, yeah. I don't, it's uh, Okay, so what what else do we have to talk about here? Do you remember Chris Gullo? Pandemonium? Did we talk
1: about this on uh, Thursday? Because I've oh, talked about this do. with we talk. talked a little bit about it on Thursday. Yeah.
0: So, I, I don't know. I guess well, I'll just run through this very quickly then. Pandemonium is, is this film uh, that I think in 2017 or so was announced to be this, this film on the life of Vince McMahon with purportedly Bradley Cooper in the leading role. Uh, that seems to be shelved. It's uh, another McMahon centric project, Stephanie McMahon's memoir, Lady Balls, which had to be retitled and then they, they changed the release date. I think this goes back to, like, 2016 when this was originally announced. There's, like, there's photos of Stephanie at her desk with papers all over the place, and and she's, you know, she just finished the draft. That's never been released. Um, more recently, in the Nikon era, there was a couple quarters ago, there was the announcement that there's going to be a multi-part Netflix documentary on the life of Vince McMahon, uh, produced by uh, Bill Simmons, right? Um, yeah. We'll see if that comes out. And now we've got this one, the United States versus Vince McMahon. This is, so this United States versus Vince McMahon. Is not, it's, it's not as if they're announcing that we're going to start production. I think it's, it's the idea that this is a, uh, this is a project that Blumhouse is, is working on and is going to shop around. So
1: Blumhouse does a lot of stuff for Hulu. So if it does happen, mm-hmm. I could see it p- popping up on Hulu. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so since we talked
0: about the Fox thing, I'm going to jump ahead to uh, mm-hmm. to this slide with, that has a giant Fox logo, a Peacock logo, and a Nick yep. promo photo. Uh, some talk this week that Fox is unhappy with WWE or that they're, they're not on speaking terms with WWE or Nick Conn perhaps. perhaps. Um, I asked about this and was told that Nick Khan has spoken with Fox as recently as you know a week ago or within the last week um now that said i do believe the idea that 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 fox is uncomfortable with promoting an nbcu property streaming service like peacock um and i believe that maybe they would be more comfortable with it if smackdown was doing two and a half million viewers or three million viewers but instead they're doing uh about two million viewers and does this make sense to just jump right into the overnight ratings? Go to the Guller report.
1: Yeah, no, we, we can do that, and we yeah, we'll we'll start with the overnight rating for SmackDown here, and uh, yeah, we have it. Uh, so uh, for Friday, July thirtieth, two thousand twenty-one, look at that, two million even. So um, technically,
0: that is not the overnight rating. I, I, that is what ended up in the Guller report through through the mathematical okay. formula that I that I do. This is what I expect for the final to be about 2 million even. The overnight is slightly lower. The overnight is about 5% lower. I think it's something like one9 and change for the overnight. I don't have it in front of me. The second hour was one8 and change. But again, these are overnight numbers that are going to be... They are basically always uh, in the low digits of percent higher. We'll, we'll know on Monday... Uh, evening, in all likelihood, what the final was. And again, I, I expect it to be 2.0%, something very close to that.
1: Um, Either way, it's a little bit of a slight drop from uh, July 23rd, which did a uh, 2.1 uh, million. So, that's uh, you know... And that was the second week back on the road. Yeah, so now it's like, okay, we're fans are back, and we, we predicted this, that they were finally at a point where the allure of, okay, I gotta check this out, because fans are back, starts to, to come off a little bit. Uh, I'm
0: trying to pull, I think 2.3 million viewers was the first show back on the road. First show of any W main roster kind back on the road after the pandemic. Um, so we've gone from 2.3 to 2.1 two. to 2. And what was, what were the last two weeks pre pandemic? Like, I think they were like, 1,986,000. Uh, I think it was the number. Ooh, now it's finally popped up. I was right on. It's Yeah. 1.986 million was the final Thunderdome episode, so we're getting basically on par with the Thunderdome. We'll see what the final is, and like I, I've I've been saying this uh, for how long, Golo? By the middle of yeah. August, they're gonna be
1: doing Thunderdome n- numbers again. Look at that. Yeah, it. Well, that's trending. Uh, we'll get right into Monday Night Raw. Following that, uh, this past Raw did uh, 1.8 uh, million, um, and you know, down from 1.9 million the week before. Uh, the 18 to 49 is at 0.49 and it did 0.57 on the 19th. So uh, that 18 to is dropping a little bit and getting awfully, awfully close to uh, AEW's 18 to 49.
0: It is. Th- this is 1.814 million number. So yeah. 1,814,000. Uh, it's pretty good. I, I had predicted earlier, I think, on this podcast uh 1.75 million for that episode so it, it exceeded my expectations um and that was against against the olympics um and by the way if we're talking about how uh, they're going to go back to where they were before the before the return to touring pretty soon uh now to be fair they are going against the olympics uh which is uh, which is a two-week thing here i think i think next week they will no longer be going against the olympics
1: yeah i feel like this is the last week of the olympics but i could be i could be off by that
0: so uh but maybe, you know, their competition is everything. Maybe people are just sleeping. Maybe people are sleeping. But
1: um, it's those naps,
0: goddammit. Yeah. People are napping all over the world. People are tired and, and they're not working hard <laughs> enough. You know. What do you want to hear when you're tired? Anyway, uh yeah, but this this number did you better. Uh to to moderate to moderate this. Broad um, okay.
1: Moving on. To NXT on sci fi. Yes, as they had to move because of Olympic uh, coverage, they did a five hundred twenty thousand uh, with a point twelve in eighteen to forty nine. If you compare that to where they were on USA the week before, it was seven hundred ten with a point two zero. 20, so, yeah,
0: what do you what do you think about this number uh, on Sci Fi? I, I don't
1: think it's bad. I mean, yes, it's a drop from what they normally do, but like to switch networks in a week, and I mean, you draw from seven to five and. I don't know. Maybe I'm maybe I'm off on this, but i I don't think it's I don't think it's bad. I mean, we saw when Dynamite moved to Fridays, it did similar numbers, and I don't think that was bad either. So Dynamite's drop
0: by percentage was was
1: stronger going to a different night,
0: different time slot, yeah. less favorable night, less favorable time slot uh, when they were moving to Friday. Uh, I, I was shocked that it held up this well. I was expecting it to be under five hundred thousand somewhere. Okay, yeah. Um, I was I was surprised. Um, they would have been going at the Olympics as well, I guess. But I, I mean, we, we've seen evidence that would, I mean, you can retroactively fit this into a narrative. You, you've seen evidence in the past where there've been major sporting events or major news events. And in the Wednesday night wars where dynamite would be down worse than NXT by percentage. Um, and you can craft a narrative about how well these NXT viewers are just so loyal and they they are disproportionately P fifty plus. P fifty plus people, at least when it comes to advertising, tend to be more brand loyal. That's why supposedly their 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 ad eyeballs are not as valuable as our young eighteen to forty nine ad eyeballs. So, yeah, you know, I uh I was very surprised at how how well it held up. They're gonna be going on sci fi again this week. I expect a similar number, five hundred thousand ish. I don't see why not. Uh Raw and NXT doing better than I thought.
1: Uh moving on to AEW Dynamite, uh this past Wednesday, July twenty eighth, with the main event of the No Rules match of Nick Gage and Chris Jericho. Uh did one point one million uh with a point four five in the eighteen to forty nine compared to the week before. Um, which so it did one point one oh eight last week they had one point one five zero with a point four four in the eighteen to forty nine. So a little bit better in eighteen forty nine, just but a tiny bit drop in the P two.
0: Yeah, uh, impressively high number here. Um, this was against the Olympics for the first first week? No. When did the Olympics end? Can you look that up real quick?
1: Yeah, let's see here. It's, it's I remember, years. well, Friday, not this past Friday, but the Friday before was the opening ceremony, so right, this it's, would have been the first week of the Olympics for them, I think. But and, yeah. the,
0: and the Olympics end probably two weeks later. Anyway, anyway while you look that up, It is is notable, as you mentioned earlier, Golo, that they did a 0.45 in the demo, which is is the equivalent to 582,000 viewers. Higher than the week before at 575, slightly, slightly higher, uh, slightly lower total viewership. But AEW and TNT loves them some key demo. So no reason to think they wouldn't be very happy with this number. Um, Getting pretty close to Raw's number here raw and then this is a raw number two that i think is sort of still has some momentum from the return to touring whereas aew does not have that novelty effect in in their favor here so i think the the, the sort of environmental external advantages are more in raw's favor so when, what i'm seeing is as time goes on in august lord knows in in september when the nfl is is, is back on monday nights i think we're gonna see these, some of these numbers get very close um
1: uh, Friday, July 23rd to Sunday, August 8th. Sunday, August 8th.
0: That's okay. So we'll be going against the Olympics again this week. Everybody will be, but then yep. then, then this coming Sunday, then it's done. Yes. What, what, do we have any other excuses lined up for bad viewership after the Olympics? Is there anything else that we can point to?
1: Uh, Baseball is going to be heating up in the month of August. You know, people vying for playoff spots. Are people,
0: do people sleep more in August or something? Do they take more naps? Maybe. Is there like a big
1: uh, streaming
0: thing happening or something? Anyway.
1: Uh, All right. And then let, uh, let just a, do, do you impact. Yeah, just impact. From um, this past Thursday, 113,000 with a, a 0.2 in the 18 to 49. A week before, 100,000 with a 0. 0.04. So uh, not much of a difference. I mean, up 13,000 overall in the P2 Plus. Uh, you know, I, I I'm not sure on this episode. I'm not sure if like. Omega and them were on it or whatnot, um, but uh, I know they were leading into their their uh, homecoming, I guess you could call it a pay-per-view or whatever, but one of the events they have on their streaming service.
0: Do you remember when we talked last week about how the, the median viewer was, I think it's, we can probably go back and look here, if I go back to the spreadsheet, if, if it will, if it will view, I have all this stuff going on on the, uh, the Nomics laptop. Uh, the, the median viewership last week was 48, which is unusually low for for impact. The the deal with impact now is we're we're talking about a show that's doing just over 100,000 viewers. Um, so the sample that determines that number is pretty low. So I think we're getting some real volatility in, in the results that we're getting here. The median aged viewer for this week's this past Thursday's episode of impact. You can't see this on, on, on your screen, but I can see it on mine. Well, on the Russell spreadsheet that patrons have access to the median eight, the median age for impact. Take a guess, Chris Gull, for this past Thursday.
1: Um,
0: 48 last week. It was 48 last week. Yeah. The week prior this week though, what 41, 41. That would be the lowest I've ever seen. Okay. Instead, <laughs> this is the highest I've ever seen. 60, so who knows what's going on there? Impact, impact viewership is not is not trending in a in a way that is encouraging right now. Uh, I mean th- this this P 49 of twenty one thousand uh, is is less than half of what they did the week prior, coming off of the off of the pay per view with the J White angle and so forth. So uh, not trending in a, in a in a great direction here, but something to honor as we move forward.
1: All right. And and we we got just some, got some
0: graphs, and then you can some be, graphs, yeah. And then you can just talk about the the quarter hours, um, or I can if you want.
1: Let's see here. Uh, yeah, if you want to get into the quarter hour chart, I'll let you present it the way you want to. So, the peak quarter hour was at one point two million viewers.
0: That was the third quarter. That it, it, it included the finish to the elimination match between the Dark Order and the Elite. Then we had this massive twenty percent drop off that was present. On every demographic that I have data for, why? Do you have any idea, or have you read already, Gollo? Why is there this massive drop off in in the third quarter from eight thirty to to eight forty five to the following quarter from eight forty five to nine o'clock? Do you have any guess?
1: I, I do not. Is is it just
0: because so it, it the the changeover from that from one quarter to the next is in the middle of a Santana and Ortiz FTR match? Yeah. Is, is it something about that match? That's an anti-draw.
2: In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking, maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card. But with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value Off Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net, arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net for 10% off your first purchase on Arena Club, and we thank them for sponsoring the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. What's going on, guys? This is Rich from the Flagship Podcast here on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast
0: Or or everything else in that quarter, uh, that included that big decrease in viewership, is a Britt Baker promo, the United Center announcement, followed by the the Sting and Darby Allin promo. Any any guesses there?
1: I, I, it's probably just a, like well, the, I know the United Center announcement was a, was a thing, but uh, they maybe expected something different out of the United Center announcement.
0: So what happened? So I I posted this. I got I got the data. I reported the data. I was dumbfounded why there would be a twenty percent drop, and then I, I'm told uh, by many people who say they are direct TV customers. Oh yes. The direct TV thing. Yeah. Who during the, uh, the Santana and Ortiz versus FTR match, uh, for a few minutes, their feed was interrupted. Um, so that seems to be the issue there. Uh, so after that, that occurs, uh, direct TV, I, 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 did take a minute and I'm, I'm not sure how, how big, uh, what portion of the universe TV covers, but it's probably a sizable one. Um, is it twenty percent? Maybe um, it is the only sort of national MVPD uh, besides Dish. Does Dish still exist? Dish Network. Yeah. And, and and obviously there's VMVPDs that are national as well. But anyway, um, following that, following that huge drop off every quarter, the viewership grew all the way to the main events between Nick Gage, Nick Fagan Gage, and Chris Jericho. Um, where it it climbed back up to to 1.179 million viewers total and 633,000 in in the demo. Uh, So there's that. So the main event, as far as viewership goes, pretty good. It was the second most viewed quarter of the show. Moving on, though.
1: All right, yes. (laughs) So this was from Front Office Sports on Thursday. Uh, We shared the concerns expressed about this incident and the context what's, of the what's TV. the incident?
0: What what incident uh, are they referring to?
1: So while Nick Gage was cutting up uh, Chris Jericho at a pizza cutter, they did the picture and picture commercial break where the commercial was a domino's <laughs> commercial where they sliced the pizza with the pizza cutter. Excellent.
0: Yes. Um
1: but yeah, so this is from Front Office source. We share the concerns expressed about this incident and the content of this T V fourteen rated program and are aggressing our advertising presence on it's on it going forward says Farach Petco, which is uh, the ad agency for yeah. Domino's in this case. Yeah. On Friday afternoon, sources said that Warner's media ad sales team was trying to mend fences with Domino's and its agency partners, arguing that the placement was an unfortunate coincidence. And Warner media hopes that the world's largest pizza company will again buy commercial time on TNT's next AW dynamite telecast, August 4th. Uh, Gage himself weighed in Friday, tweeting, sorry, Domino's didn't mean to offend you. Guess I'm too ultra violent for T V. And then I think,
0: uh, the, this, I, think uh, I, I think somebody should uh, request uh cameo from Nick Gage to Domino's if they haven't <laughs> already.
1: <laughs> he, he might have to try to hype Domino's up and feel about it. Um, and then uh this is a from late night early Friday uh um from uh from David Bix's band on Substack. According to a screenshot shared with Babyface vs seal, a reporter from a mainstream publication in reaching out about the story, explicitly said that WWE had contacted them about writing an article on the Domino's AEW situation.
0: The so Bix is reporting. I don't know if that's the, the verb, but make it, it, it it's questionable, I guess that, uh, W is trying to, uh, uh, push, push a story out there Aw uh, that, that AW's, you know, it's violent and, uh, and look at what they did here with the pizza cutter and Domino's here. Um, but they're not.
1: Did you, did you think that a week ago we Domino's would be such a talking point in the professional wrestling world? No.
0: Yeah. And I, I saw uh, Austin Carp from Sportico sort of quote tweet the front front office sports uh, article sort of burying Domino's saying, stop whining. Uh, you, you've gotten such great exposure from this.
1: I didn't see anything disparaging. Like and my favorite was someone took the Domino's logo and put M D K in it, <laughs> like M D K. So uh, I'll,
0: I'll I'll read this next one. So I talked to somebody this week who uh, who works in the ad business, and they uh, said that you know this person believes that this won't really affect AEW at least for now, but it it, it does affect Warner Media slash Turner. Uh, if if Domino's withdraws, they could just reinsert, you know, insert another advertiser in Domino's place. Um, If AEW continues to put out this type of content, then that's when you'll see a reduction in demand, as in if the content becomes a problem, then you'll have brands specifically asking Turner to not run on AEW. And this hurts Turner more than Mm -hmm. AEW. This person said, uh, this person has been in situations like that before, and usually what happens is that the advertiser would ask the network to correct the issue and give them another spot to air somewhere else on TNT. Uh, these types of issues also happen quite often for TV. You usually see brands pulling out of news, I'm guessing like Fox News or something like that. Uh, and for digital media, it's, it's usually when somehow uh, undesirable content breaks through safety measures. Like when ISIS somehow ends up on YouTube and. Um, In in terms of content, what's always top of mind for for this person as as an ad buyer was, would it damage my brand if I aired on this particular show? And most of the time, the answer is no. Having a violent match or blood isn't particularly damaging. And to my knowledge, I'm not aware of any other brand in the ad agency I work for has ever pulled ads over wrestling or combat sports. Also, as an ad buyer, uh, we also have the TV parental guidelines in mind when buying cable. So a violent or bloody match wouldn't be a surprise. Uh, for experience, TNT would will be in deep trouble with the media agency that buys ads for Domino's. And again, that, that agency in this case, according to front office sports, is this or, Oh man. F- uh, four acre is how you say that four acre. Oh, I dash. said for
1: like it was some crazy Italian. Uh,
0: so I think that's what it is. Four acre Petco. <laughs> One of the uh, Andre, um, works for them. So yeah, I, I yeah. think it's. I, I, I sort of discussed this on on post wrestling with with John Pollock, but I think it's uh, it's sort of a uh, it's a creative choice that AEW and, and Turner need to weigh. Um, I, I was told very early on, and soon after the launch of AEW, uh, sort of when Blood and Guts was a talking point because uh, Vince had said it on a on an earnings call. This is before Dynamite ever de- debuted on TNT, but but they had done stuff. Through BR Live, um, which is a Turner product or a Warner Media product, um, that uh, you know Turner giving them some reassurance as far as violent content that they should just do what they think is the best for their show to put on the best possible show. Um, I think this particular issue with Domino's is sort of a result of of a viral video, you know, it, and the and the coincidence, which is probably just a coincidence. I don't think that's anything that they Not, intentionally. Nobody planned that. It wasn't like, yeah, product placement. Let's get, get the pizza cutter in there, and then we'll do the picture in picture thing. I think the ad just happens to be there, uh, unfortunate coincidence for them. Uh, so yeah, and I think that you know everybody got a laugh out of that, and that was shared widely on social media. Got a lot of attention, and that was you know brought to the attention of certain people. Maybe brought to the attention of of the media relations team at WV. Maybe, uh, and and so this is something that uh, that the ad agency yeah. and Domino's have mastered. Uh-huh.
1: I don't think this is going to be something that really goes far. Um, I feel like you'll see a Domino's commercial on Dynamite again, maybe even this week. Right. And I also, you know, and, and I, I also feel like it's not like they're going to be doing these death matches every week. Like, as far as I know, Nick Gage isn't signed to a contract. Like, nope. he's, you know, so, and here's the thing. If you were watching a true crime show and like the person's carving up somebody with a pizza cutter, and then it goes to a Domino's commercial. Would there be outrage? No, you know. Uh, I, I mean, think it's I, that wrestling. Well, really.
0: I think the difference is. I think there is a difference in the analogy, though. That um, when you're watching a true crime show,
1: that's yeah. that's
0: all makeup and 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 production stuff. The, yeah. The pizza cutter. I don't know about. I don't know about the pizza cutter, but the blood is real. This is not the, fake
1: blood. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, it's not ketchup packets.
0: Now, no, on the other hand, you could say the same thing about. UFC or Bellator and that that's not fake blood either. No. Now, granted that's not some external weapon that's being used to cause those cuts. That's just fists. I don't know if that makes a difference, but whatever. Yeah. Anyway, but it's not, uh, but it's not, uh, it's fists aren't necessarily something that's directly associated with, with uh, a, a pizza product. A pizza cutter is, I guess that's a difference here. As, as I remove the, uh, the, the beans, the green beans from my, my head here. Starts to melt, right. melt as I warm them up.
1: We're going to move on to a live event update starting okay. with past live events. If you want to go through the, uh, the these beautiful bar graphs that you have made. Yeah. This, this is
0: thanks to uh, information from Russell ticks. Um, what did I want to say here? I guess, uh, W did a super show last night, uh, in Milwaukee last night being July 31st on Saturday night in Milwaukee, uh, over 6,400 fans, pretty good for a house show. Uh, Smackdown this past Friday in Minneapolis did over eighty five hundred thousand, uh, pretty good for a Smackdown Super Show in Louisville did over six thousand. Uh, this is now we're getting into things that Nick Khan has has reviewed in his uh, his his earnings call. Um, <clears throat> and then we got uh, the 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 most recently passed uh, AEW shows in Charlotte over sixty nine hundred fans for the most recent uh, Fight for the Fallen episode of Dynamite past Wednesday uh, so these it just so happens I guess that these, these dynamite uh, attendances are getting are trending upwards um, I don't know that that's super meaningful right now but uh, that is, that is that is the trend uh, it, it obviously it depends greatly on, on the venue capacity and the market but yeah
1: all right and then uh, just going into upcoming events
0: yes upcoming events uh, <laughs> update these graphs here We've got uh, dynamite going back to Jacksonville, another homecoming, uh, that will be, have a capacity of, of 3000. They've got just over 2000 out here. And, uh, the super show in Detroit that's happening tonight might have over 10,000 people in attendance. Uh, would have to be, I would think like as far as like non-holiday house shows and non, uh, non-holiday domestic house shows, it's gotta be among the, the leaders in some yeah. time. And then this Monday, all this talk about Chicago, we got All Out coming up in Chicago in, in September. Uh, Dynamite in Chicago uh, that week. Rampage in Chicago that week. United Center, we'll talk about a little bit more, I think, in a
1: second. All the independent shows running that All Out weekend, too. I know it's a small factor, but. And this Monday, the All State Arena, WWE Monday Night Raw,
0: comes to Chicago. Um, it's going to be a virtual sellout, if not a, a hard sellout. Over 12,000 tickets out. Or 12,000 or 12,000 strong. I hope they don't chant anything that's, you know, that they shouldn't chant in Chicago at WB raw. Um, Probably totally unrelated to that. Uh, I've been told that WB now has two people on the road dedicated just to sweeten the crowd.
1: (laughs) All right. Uh, So Brandon, we have four live events that have already distributed more than 10,000 tickets.
0: Yeah, there's there's probably gonna be. I, I think Detroit will get there. Um, there's a good mm-hmm. chance that they will. And we've got uh, RAW that we just discussed in in Chicago with more than twelve thousand three hundred tickets out. SummerSlam is now past forty four thousand tickets out. The Newark, New Jersey, uh, Dynamite on September fifteenth, about eleven thousand tickets out. Dynamite in Flushing, New York, at uh, Arthur Ashe Stadium in Queens. Somebody's got to explain to me what it, what exactly the municipality municipality categorization is between Flushing and Queens here. But anyway, September 22nd, uh, almost 17,000, 16,952 is the current count from WrestleTix for tickets distributed for that event, which will be the most attended event in AEW's relatively short history. Um, and we'll have, uh, I think, the, the United Center... Um, we can skip these line graphs and just jump right to the United center. Uh, Okay. Go ahead and read that.
1: All right. So this is uh, a see here from our, our good friends at uh, Russell takes on AW at the United center, August 20th, uh, AW rampage. They are saving some seats for Monday. How many we will have to wait and see? But as I mentioned in the previous post, if they've sold more than 10,000 with a setup of 13,000 plus, that means 3000 or less will be available Monday. And should sell out instantly. Yes,
0: yeah, so, so all of these tickets. Uh, United Center is bigger than the other venues, like the Allstate Arena or the is it the Now Sports Arena, where where the the Dynamite, the Rampage, and the All Out will happen. That's the former Sears Center. Where all in also was uh, the United Center is almost never run for TV. I think due due to union issues because it's in the city of Chicago. Um, you know Sears Center slash Now Sports Arena is in Schaumburg. This is in Chicago. This is where the Bulls play basketball.
1: Yeah. Is this their first NBA arena? Because they normally do colleges. It might
0: be. It might be. Um, yeah, this is a bigger capacity venue in Chicago than the other venues in Chicago that they're running. Um, somehow this was all pre-sale. The rest of the tickets, the 3000 or so that are left will be on sale tomorrow, Monday, maybe already sold out by the time people listen to this. Um, I would think CM Punk's going to be there. If he's not, there might be a problem. There might be a riot.
1: But, uh, well, I think people were expecting a, an extra sh- show added to Cleveland just two weeks before, you know, three shows. Or not Cleveland, sorry, Chicago.
0: And then I wanted to talk about. So w- w- let's try to look ahead here. Let's say CM Punk debuts on August 20th at Dynamite. Doesn't wrestle, though, probably. But maybe he wrestles by the time. Maybe he's on the all-out pay-per-view. Maybe that's CM Punk's first professional wrestling match since, what, early 2015? 14. 14. Mm-hmm. Yeah, early 2014. Yeah. yeah. In the timing of that, right? Royal Rumble 2014 is the last time he ever does anything, right?
1: I, I've said, But part of me almost thinks it's early. Here, I'll actually... Here, hold on. I'll find out, because... Your CM Punk cage match uh, match he did it. 2014 yeah so it's yeah it's um it's a ro- it's a royal rumble yep yeah, well, he yeah has that's,
0: the, uh, that's it m- m- remember the video that came out that uh, WE uploaded to youtube as an unlisted video that sh- sort of showed in slow motion uh CM Punk's butt t- to sort of show that he didn't have a cyst on his body or because <laughs> he was he's claiming that he had had an issue that uh, Dr. Amon didn't give proper attention to or something um, anyway. All right. Um, if he so. wrestles on the pay-per-view on all out in what is that? That's early September sometime. I mean, it's yep. like September 6th or something. Um, what is that going to draw? It depends greatly, obviously, on the rest of the card. It depends greatly on who his opponent is. It depends greatly on how it's promoted, what the angles are promoting it, and the, the sentiment around the match. But let's say, I think it's reasonable to, to expect, uh, maybe he wrestles Darby be just because why else would you have Darby Allen do that promo saying, even if you're the best in the world, on Dynamite right after the United Center announcement. Um, I could see CM Punk being interested in wrestling somebody like Darby Allen. That 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 adds up to me. Um, what does he draw on pay per view? At this point, the the biggest AEW pay per view is Revolution at one hundred thirty five thousand buys, according to me. Maybe higher according to others. But uh, what do you think?
1: Doing? It yeah breaks one hundred fifty.
0: Yeah, I think it does. Yeah, I think that it, again. It depends greatly on the execution and and the other other context. Uh what did it all out do last year? Ninety thousand. Roughly ninety thousand. Uh one hundred and seventy five, two hundred thousand. Yeah. Uh other thing I wanted to talk about in this context though is, is the viewership we were talking about earlier. If you have and, and I think they do have CM Punk, I think they I I think they would be insane to do anything other than already have CM Punk under contract and then book and advertise this United Center with hints all all around that. CM Punk is going to be there. I think they have CM Punk. Uh, if they didn't have Brian Danielson, I, d- I don't know why Tony Khan would would ha- say no comment in relation to both of them in in an interview that he did uh, recent.
1: Uh, now, here's my thing though: if he's going to be there, and you know, just previously talking about what like, Time Warner was with surprises and all that, do you think we know by the 13th the first Rampage that hey? Next week, CM Punk will be in the United Center, or do you think will?
0: Um, I don't know. I think that's a calculation that that that, that is debatable. Yeah. Wh- which way is there more interest? You're you're already going to sell out the building, so you don't need it for ticket sales. Do no. you? Is there is there more buzz and talk that leads to stronger viewership by leaving it and amb- ambiguous but strongly implied, or by being explicit? I think if, if the reaction was weaker,
1: yeah. Yeah. Just make it explicit. Yeah. But but the, people will tune in expecting it and not have to have it out there publicly. Uh, so what, what I'm trying to get to here,
0: I, th- I think it's, it's almost certain to me that they have CM Punk. It's less certain to me that they have da- Brian Danielson. Sorry. I'm, I'm almost pulled JR. JR. JR is going to have such a tough time with that. But anyway, I think, uh, I think it's pretty confident that they have Brian Danielson too, or, or he's almost a done deal at a minimum. Uh, what's that not just going to do for, you know, what we were talking about pay-per-view a moment ago, but, but TV ratings, especially in September. And, um, I know they're not a competition, but, but in, in terms of the comparison between raw going against money Night football and dynamite with the addition, let's say, hypothetically speaking of CM Punk and Brian Danielson and the other momentum that they have, um, assuming that they continue to be at least as well-booked and well-produced as they are currently, which, by most, by most, by many people's perception, assessment, judgment is it's pretty good.
1: All right. Uh, you want to move on uh, to uh, our uh, f- friends in Saudi Arabia?
0: <laughs> uh, right. Yes. Go sure, ahead. Sure. Yeah. So, uh, according to Andrew Zarian and uh, John Pollock, has checked on this and said he heard the same thing. October twenty first will, will might be the next time that there's a Saudi event. We got. S- some encouragement we got some encouragement on that on the, on the earnings call. we did not get a date or an explicit announcement that, yes, we're going to go back but but Christina Salen affirmed that the the current financial guidance on their adjusted EBITDA, their profitability uh, assumes that there will be a Saudi event before the end of the year. Um,
1: what was it called just international event or international something what would they thing? call
0: it? This is perfect. so do, do you remember what the euphemism is for Saudi Arabia event?
1: I I I like I said I know it's international something I keep forgetting uh, what the second part is large scale international event and that's it large scale international okay
0: yes. I've got a great mnemonic device for you so that you will never forget this large scale international event just just you, just think of it as as an acronym L large scale international I event E L I E Y You'll, you'll never forget it now. <laughs> no, I will not.
2: <laughs> oh,
1: moving on. Moving on to our uh, friends at uh, Russell Takes. Uh, so yeah, the, the no, these are, are the we already, already talked ahead. about. It. That, that that's All it. Right.
0: Well, There's 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 twelve thousand three hundred and sixteen tickets distributed for the United Center. We can go to PWG here. Um, yes, tonight. Was, t- tonight?
1: Yeah. Go. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, you can lead into it, oh, it. I don't know. PWG has its first event in how long? Do you know? Um, Uh, Since 2019. They did not run anything in 2020. Uh, Let me see here. what they, Or at least I I don't recall them doing that. Let's see here. They're doing Mystery Vortex with no announced matches, right? Uh, Tonight,
0: which is Sunday for us, tonight uh, at the Globe Theater, uh, I think Meltzer has said that there's AW people that are going to be on the show. I'm sure everyone listening probably has access to, to... who that is at this point? Um,
1: September twenty sixth. Uh, no I'm sorry. They already got the future events in there. I'm sorry. Uh, December twentieth, two
0: thousand nineteen. Yeah, yeah. No, so that's definitely pre pandemic. Uh, and and we're still gonna. Here we are, twenty twenty one, and this is still going to be a DVD product. Obviously, it's a live event ticket to product too, which they do they're doing well with probably, but um, still going to do DVD. Now we're, we're just going to only be able to speculate here, but. My, my understanding originally why PWG had to be a DVD product and could not be a streaming product or a pay-per-view product was that you know, at the time they had – they were booking uh, Evolve wrestlers who had Evolve contracts. and They were booking Ring of Honor wrestlers who had Ring of Honor contracts that only allowed them to appear uh, on pay-per-view or iPay-per-view for, for those companies that they were contracted to. So they couldn't – so the PWG sort of had no choice if they were going to book that talent. They had to – but it was okay to do it as a DVD. And I think this might have been the case for for any impact slash TNA wrestlers that they might have booked at the time, too. Is that still the case, though? Is that I mean, Evolve doesn't exist for one thing, Um, but but obviously Ring of Honor exists and TNA exists. I don't necessarily expect the impact wrestlers to be there, but maybe Um,
1: so. uh, Chris Bay could be that would that might be a choice.
0: So I guess my my thought is if, if this is not an obstacle, um, is is it an obstacle for AEW people? I think John Moxie has appeared on a fight pay per view for Game Changer. Does that sound right? Yes. So yeah, if, if, um, this is, if this is no longer a legal hurdle, is it just a business choice? let um, could correct me if it is, if it still is indeed a legal issue. But is it, is it just a business choice that I? But I I I, I suspect that and and it might be a risk because it's, it's the unknown. But I suspect that if, if you put PWG on, on, say, a fight pay-per-view, it's going to draw more revenue than a delayed – because the expenses would probably be lower because you, you wouldn't have to produce a physical product in a DVD. You wouldn't have to ship it around the country world uh, that there would be more – there would be at least you – know there would be equal or more revenue to generate if you priced it correctly, uh, and, and there, would there, I think there would be more revenue to generate just because of the immediacy rather than, rather than the physical product. Some month or months later, uh, I think there's lower expense. I think there's equal, at worst, revenue to generate. So I think this, it would be more profitable unless there's just some some legal issue that precludes that,
1: that. Yeah, I mean, it, honestly, it doesn't make any sense to me. I thought there's a lot of buzz for this show online that they could have capitalized with. I mean, even an IWTV live stream, which, you know, but you talk about you see contracted ring of honor impacting EW talent all over these independent shows recently that are on IWTV and some are on fight.
0: I I think, I think the best way to monetize it would be pay-per-view, not, not through a subscription streaming service. Uh, I think you could charge at least $30 for this pay-per-view and sell. How many pay-per-view buys do you think a PWG, a live PWG show would sell at let's say, let's say $30. Hmm.
1: Think they could do at least ten thousand bucks? Ten thousand? Or is that too much?
0: Um, it, it's
1: putting real numbers
0: on it is tough. Um, low thousands at least, I would think. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, um, I, I would have to know their DVD sales numbers to yeah. start to get an idea. I think, and obviously we don't, we don't know what that is. Um, so yeah. Uh, how good are we, Chris Gallow, at estimating W? W earnings results. Do you have, do you have any, do you have any idea about what, 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 what we're doing here uh, as far as my, my estimates with, uh, for the, for the W
1: quarterly reports? Well, it, it, it looks like you're trying to kind of estimate here uh, as far as, you know, where the stock would end up and the overall quarterly revenue before the earnings report come out. And it looks like you're pretty, you're pretty close,
0: but not exactly yeah. the stock, but um, well, the
1: EPS. Yeah. EPS. That's, Kind what, of is yes. what is EPS? I know you told me
0: we taught you la- last Thursday.
1: I know <laughs> it's only two days ago, dude. Um, oh, it's I know it's earnings, and I it, I'm, I'm the P area. Earnings per share. Per share. Yep. There we go. And that's why I got the stock thing in my have The share. It's your net
0: income per your number of diluted shares, which I'm sure just is is all the more clear for you now, right? <laughs> but it's. Uh, yes. uh, it's a measure of profit. Just think of it as a, as a weird measure of profit. Um, so as these line graphs show on video that perhaps will be available for our patrons, uh, the, the video that is um, in Q2 last year of 2020, I, I, I had a really good prediction that all of the consensus analysts did, didn't have. So basically for people who don't already know, there are about a dozen stock analysts who cover WWE in addition to many other companies that they cover and they will write periodically. They will write reports and write stock targets. I, I do not feel comfortable yet doing a stock target. I don't understand that, that world that well yet, but I do feel comfortable enough to do a, do an EPS estimate and a revenue estimate and a lot of other hard financial number uh, estimates. And um, so last year, in Q two there was the issue with the the performance center saving a lot of expense for WB. and I think that the 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 analysts did not did not anticipate that or understand that and then I I did more so. So everybody was too low on their EPS to estimate. They were too low on their profitability expectations uh while I was much closer. I was within ten percent and they were two hundred and forty six percent off. <laughs> you know? um, so my estimates Going forward from that, have they? The average analyst, though, has been closer than I have for th- from that point for the next three quarters, uh, except for this quarter where I was right on, uh, and they were they were pretty close too, but I was closer uh, in terms of the EPS and the revenue. But part of, at least on one of these occasions, though, I wrote my estimate or I, you know, I I did my estimate in a spreadsheet. And then I looked at what the consensus analyst estimate was, which is basically just an average of everybody's estimate together. Um, And I was like, oh, I'm way different than them. Maybe they know something I don't. So I went back and redid it. And then I ended up being... Uh, further off, and I think I was closer in the first place, maybe even than they were. So anyway, this is uh, something we will we will monitor for for those uh, who f- who think I'm like this. Uh, I'm, I'm better than than the stock analysts on this. Well, not consistently, not quite yet, but on some occasions.
1: All right, and we do uh, have some uh, more notes quarter uh, to uh, ten Q notes uh, here um, and stuff that uh, we'll start with this. W appears to have withdrawn investment and in tap out.
0: Yeah, there's a there's an interesting line in there that has some accounting language that I don't feel comfortable deciphering. As far as did did WWE lose money on this investment or not? But they, it looks like they're they've gotten out of their investment. This, this would be an investment that would have been adopted in the George Barrios era. Now we're in the Christina Salen era, who is the chief financial officer for WWE, and they're no longer. Remember all these these tap out commercials that you get between every segment on a WWE yep. pay per view. Uh, W appears it's not explicitly said that it is tap out that they have withdrawn their investment from, but it is a clothing and lifestyle brand because they, they, they're they apparently not required to to name the the company that they're investing in. But they just sort of refer to it. And I'm very confident that it is tap out
1: that they are referring to. But anyway, uh, R- WrestleMania ticket prices on average were one hundred sixty one dollars and thirty five cents.
0: Yep. Read the next one, too.
1: And, and the WrestleMania <laughs> venue, merch per capita was $32 and nine cents for a total of 1.3 million.
0: Yeah. So that that's a huge number. I'd be curious if that that is the highest merch per cap for a wrestling event ever. Maybe not though, because this was a two day event and a lot of people would have gone to both events and you're dividing the paid ticket sales by the merch sales. And you got a lot of people who are individual people who are represented twice there. Um, so maybe some previous wrestling could have been higher, but that that's the highest number I've ever seen in, in quantified, um, for a wrestling event. Usually it's $10 for a WWE event. When you, when, when they report for their, their events, all of them together, house shows and TVs together, um, WrestleMania ticket sales were on average, uh, wrestling ticket prices on average were $161. Uh, the gate that they ended up reporting was not the gate, but what they reported in the North America ticket sales line, which the only events they had were, were the two day WrestleMania events were $6.7 million. I reported based on the, the receipts from Tampa Bay sports authority, $6.2 million. I'm not sure why the discrepancy, um, but that's, that's worth mentioning. I was, I was, I'm apparently different from them by $300,000. or The the receipts are different from them by $300,000. I don't think there's anything nefarious there, but but I don't know why. Um, next,
1: all right. Uh, next, we have a uh, footnote disclosing 8.1 million spent on severance. Confirms that TV, digital, and uh, studios were consolidated in May, as reported earlier.
0: So they'll be paying uh, over eight million dollars just in severance to uh, to consolidate into budget cuts to, to run a more lean operation. Whether whether, whether a redundant worker in uh, in in the media department or whether your Bray Wyatt budget cuts
1: and then uh, lastly here uh, someone uh, maybe NBC Universal owes WB 50 million as of June 30th
0: so one of these cryptic details that we get in the 10q the big quarterly report uh, is that they will tell you if there is a they have an accounts receivable line if you've ever taken a, an accounting class you know there's accounts receivable means the this is the money that is owed to me by others. Um, and they tell you, among other details, this, this is a, how much money we are owed in total from all of our customers. And then if there's a customer uh, who owes you more than 10% of your total accounts receivable, they will tell you that, okay, our, there is. in this case, there is a customer who owes us more than 10%. This customer owes us 44%. So what you do is just do the math. They don't spell it out, but you do the math and say, let's take their accounts receivable. What's 44% of that? Well, it's $50.1 million. Who would owe them $50.1 million in the past? It's been Saudi Arabia. It's been the government of Saudi Arabia. Um, that, that in my analysis, I believe has, has owed them that money. Now, Now they haven't run a show in Saudi Arabia since February, 2020, February, 2020. Um, so I, don't think it's Saudi Arabia at this point. And in fact, if you look at, at previous quarterly reports, you, you don't see any customer who's owing them more than 10% of their mm-hmm. accounts receivable line. But now we do. And we've, we're now at the point where um, the Peacock deal has started. And we know that WWE has reported that NBC universal gave them a lot of upfront payments uh, for the transition of intellectual property and our subscribers. So I would, I would, guess that what's happening here is that NBC has agreed to pay them a lot of money over time, and that's why there is this account receivable item perhaps from NBC Universal.
1: All right, and uh, that's what we have on the itinerary. Um, one thing I didn't want to kind of throw out here, just because he's such a big deal, uh, there was that report this week that WWE and these were multiple MMA insiders. That WWE signed with somebody, or, I'm sorry, Brock Lesnar signed with somebody other than WWE my guess would be Bellator, but there has not that? been any info on that. Let's see here. here. Well, multiple MMA insiders and in, uh on the uh Wrestling Observer Figure Four Weekly board.
0: Okay. On the this is from Dave on the board.
1: Yeah. But the, yeah, but this is also being retweeted by everybody, including our own voices at wrestling, uh, kind of retweeted the report. So okay. um I don't think it's a wrestling company. My my prediction would be it'd be Bellator. They're kind of looking for another big draw, so.
0: Yeah, could be. Yep, Br- Brock sort of feels to me like somebody that AEW shouldn't touch, but I don't know what they would do.
1: Yeah. But other than that, uh, I I, th- I don't think there was anything else significant. Kind of brought up the Jeff Jarrett thing, just because where does Global Force Wrestling come in? Is that a thing again? Which it could possibly be. So. <laughs> I
0: mean, in, in this era of cryptocurrency, uh, Global Force Gold, go,
1: go, go get yeah. it. It does, uh, It comes with Jeff Jarrett NFTs. There you go. Yep. So. Okay. Any plugs? <laughs> um. Yeah. Uh. You can uh reach, see me. Uh. Well, check me online at uh Chris Gello. I'm at uh Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Uh. Upcoming this Saturday, I'll be in Binghamton at the X for Sorry We're Open for Excite Wrestling. I think it's like a three p.m. That's start the name time. The show? Yes. Yeah, sorry, we're open. <laughs> um. What?
0: What? What is the X? Is that the 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 place in the mall?
1: Yes. Yeah, that's the place in the Johnson City Mall. So The Oakdale uh, Mall, right? Oakdale. Oh, yeah. It's Oakdale Mall in Johnson City, which is a suburb of Binghamton.
0: There's a good Cinnabon in in the mall, too. Not far from from the outlet where the show
1: is. I'm pretty sure that Cinnabon's gone. Oh, it's gone? I'm I'm pretty sure. (laughs) What
2: can you eat at Cinnabon?
1: (laughs) Well, I'm just saying for (laughs) omnivorous people out there.
0: omnivorous people. Well, i don't know um, why you gotta, gotta preclude our omnivore
1: people if you're, with your sorry. vegan autism just your excitement for cinnabon surprised me so but uh yeah no i'll be there um it should be a fun show uh they did these like seminar uh events well not not events seminars uh you know live demonstrations and now this is the yeah. real deal so should, should be a really fun show um other than that, uh, my August, I got a little comedy here and there, but it's pr- pretty pretty free August, you know. Uh, kind of enjoy the rest of the summer here, and you can check out Rediscovering the Indies. Uh, you know, if you haven't yet, you have to listen to this John Collins, uh, uh, you know, uh, episode there uh, on Main Event Championship Wrestling where we just talk about this guy was so interesting. He, you know, thought that uh, he was going to be number two. He was going to replace WCW. And uh, hire Sandman as Booker, and hilarity ensued. Not really caused by Sandman, but hilarity ensued.
0: Mm-hmm. Do, do you ever have have wrestling dreams, Chris Golo? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What about what?
1: Like sometimes it's, I'm just like working for companies, and like I've I've had uh, I've had the old like ring announcing. I've had ring nightmares where I'm like ring announcing and forgot somebody's info, and I don't I can't find it. I'm like, <laughs> and they're getting really mad, and like yeah. so.
0: Yeah. I, I have wrestling dreams all the time. I've, I've, I've had the Bret Hart wrestling dream many times about like my, I'm, I'm, my match is Now my music is playing and I'm not geared up. Um, I had a wrestling dream recently about, I also had one last night, but, but I also had a wrestling dream like a week ago about, uh, we were, we were doing a, 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 a show for a company called Southern tier wrestling at a grandstand in a, in a, at a, at a big fairgrounds. And, uh, the promoters had put together a, a cage, but not just any cage. They like a Hell in a Cell style cage, totally over the ring. Uh, this, this match was being contested between one Vinnie Moon and, and one Kevin Bennett um, plunder all over the ring. <laughs> Vinnie Moon, uh, big babe face here. Kevin Bennett was the heel in this, in this dream. It was being called by, by special guests doing commentary over the live PA, Jim Ross. Uh <laughs> I mean, Heavy main event drama, hell in the cell. This is this is Jim Ross's territory. Um, got really into the match and called it. You know, Vinnie Moon went over with some flippity do off off the off the ropes. Uh, big baby face moment, big, big strong fair crowd reaction. Uh, as soon as the, the show ended, everybody's tearing down the the cage and the plunder and putting it away and everything. And Jr. gets in the ring and says that this is one of the best matches he has ever had the pleasure of calling. And then uh, the referees took crazy bumps in the match or something. And I was concerned about one of the referees, but one of the wrestlers uh, whose brother was that referee who had like a lump on his head was, was trying to dissuade him from getting medical attention because he was worried that if he got medical attention, he wouldn't be allowed to perform on the show, that there would be a problem. And there were, because this was in New York State, naturally, there were EMTs who are required to be there and they were there. And I And I sort of, as they were, going to check on the wrestlers who had just been through this grueling match I said check on that referee and then this wrestler who's who was the brother of the referee uh, he, he saw that I did that and he was very unhappy with me about that and this resulted is you know how dreams are they don't sort of yeah. you know, make sense connectively and so this en- it ended up being the case that you know later uh, Paul Levesque and Shawn Michaels had to have a sit down <laughs> talk with me about the drama that I caused um, <laughs> that was something i had to deal with. And then i was in a car in new jersey and i was like my car drove in t- into into a body of water and i was going to die and i couldn't smash the windows and break out. Hmm. Anyway, hmm. you can follow me at branders. <laughs> and uh I, ha- I had a had a dream last night too, but I, let's not get into it. Uh that one is enough. You got to you can't overexpose the, the the wrestle dreams. Uh so yeah, you can uh, go, go go to patreon.com/wrestlemonics and uh You'll get my... Every weekday... Well, Monday through Thursday anyway... And we do we have the, the impact report... Sometimes on Friday... If not, if not the following day... Uh, go to patreon.com slash Because I've, I've been doing every weekday... Almost... Uh, a, a ratings report on the... Usually it's a show that, that happened... The weekday prior... The business day prior... So we'll have... And you know, all like the raw ratings... And NXT ratings... And Dynamite ratings... I'm the one breaking the news... I think here on that... Um, in addition to other stuff because we're at the beginning of the month now is the best time to become a subscriber to Patreon for WrestleNomics you get access to the WrestleNomics viewership spreadsheet Um, I'll probably be doing another Google web search update soon Uh, I gotta wait for a couple days for all the the new data to to be available on Google Trends we'll be doing that soon as well Uh, you can follow me at Brandon Thurston on Twitter and at WrestleNomics I'm Brandon Thurston I'm Chris Goa next time Bye.